It's undeniable that church is changing because of our relationship to technology. At Faithlife, we have a front row seat to that change as it unfolds across thousands of churches of all traditions and sizes, because we use technology to equip the church to grow in the light of the Bible. My name is Kristen Tete, and I make things here at Faithlife because ministry is in my blood. I'm a millennial, but don't turn off the podcast. It just means I'm a digital native, so I can help you. Technology is a tool, but a tool without a purpose is useless. So in the Equipping the Church podcast, we'll not only teach you how to use some of the technology you might already have, we'll help you apply what you learn to your context. We produce this podcast with the entire church staff in mind. That said, today's Equipping the Church episode is totally focused on pastors. I recommend you pause this episode right now and send it to your pastor because we're going to dive into the topic of increasing the longevity of the pastoral call. In 2018, our friends at Barna released their annual Barna Trends compilation of studies, which I must say is reading that you have to do if you're interested in the church and serving it better. In it, they talked about who pastors in the U.S. are. The median age of pastors has increased from 44 in 1992 to 54 today. 24 is the number of years of ministry tenure for the average pastor. And this is up from 1992 when it was just 14 years. So we're seeing this overall trend of serving longer and longer in the pastoral uh, vocation. 53% of pastors say they felt their calls to ministry between the ages of 14 and 21. Isn't that interesting? And there's one figure in particular that is really complicated to unpack. In fact, I've talked with David Kinneman of Barna about it, and I even called my grandpa, who's ministered for more than 60 years, because I wanted to talk with him about it. This is what that stat is. While confidence in pastoral calling remains robust overall, roughly six in 10 pastors say they felt inadequate for their ministry or calling. So one of the things that concerns me about that figure is that feeling inadequate can lead to pastoral burnout. And we are really passionate about those that 53% of pastors who say they felt their call to ministry between the ages of 14 and 21, being able to stick with that call for the long haul. So today we're talking with Pastor Byron Copeland, who's an executive pastor at Gateway Church. He's actually the executive campus pastor for Gateway Church where he oversees all of Gateway's campuses. Thanks for being here to talk with us today, Pastor Byron. Hey, Kristen. Thanks for having me. It's exciting to be here today. Yeah, it is. I met you a few weeks ago and your incredible wife, Rochelle, and uh, I was struck by your authenticity. And so I really appreciate your willingness to talk with us and share your own experiences. So let's dive right in. Uh, Tell us your story and how it led to understanding pastoral health. Well, uh, this is my 29th year of ministry. And um, the early years of ministry, I really had no pedigree. I really did not have a lot of training. And so I kind of stepped into ministry probably as a lot of people who are listening today, people who are who love the Lord. Mm-hmm. 
um, feel called to ministry and who want to make a difference. And so that's a lot of us. Yeah. Uh, not really maybe equipped to handle what we step into. And so, uh, again, I would think that that is a lot of us. But early on as a 23-year-old, um, probably the first 10 years, um, I was going really hard and um, learning a lot, uh, really following my heart on helping people and building ministry. I was a campus pastor at a Christian school. I was a youth pastor at the church. And then for a season, sort of doing both. Wow. And um, again, a lot of great things were going on. But as I moved into my late 20s and early 30s, I realized that some things were sort of slipping in my personal life. Um, And I say it like this when I talk to people now, you know, all of us, a lot of us who are in ministry have extreme personalities. We, um, we're extremely in love with the Lord. We have extreme drive. We're extremely passionate. We care. And in this world, that is just very unique. And, and in those extreme personalities, occasionally we can get on a pace that can be emotionally damaging to us and also damaging to our family relationship. So mm. I remember a conversation And I probably had this conversation with the Lord probably around 30 years old. And I'd been at it a while and just there was an inner frustration of. And I I think the frustration was, I don't know that I can sustain. This pace over a long period of time, and honestly, I don't know if at that point I could probably put all those thoughts into words. Now, looking back, I can, but I believe that's what the, where the frustration was. Like, how can I do all this? And the conversation with God sort of looked like this. So, God, you're asking me to be a healthy person. You're asking me a, to be a good husband, a connected father, a prepared and anointed speaker, a leader who is engaging. You're asking me to build others and to counsel people through the darkest moments of their life and to, to treat your church like the way it needs to be treated. And I remember saying, God, I can't do it. Mm. I just, I don't have enough in me to do this. And um, as God does in his still small voice, occasionally he will whisper back to us. And I remember these words, um, Byron, you can do it. And you're going to do it, and I'm going to be your strength. And so mm. that started me on a brand new journey. That the moments like that, I had a season where there were just moments like that where I just knew that God um, had a different way of working. That He needed He needed to get into me so that you know John ten ten could come to life in me, and that is that you know I could have abundant life. The enemy wants to kill, steal, and destroy us all, especially leaders of the church, mm-hmm. but, but God wants to give us life and life more abundant. And I believe that has been my journey ever since. Absolutely. So when you hit that moment of asking God about, um, about going on, uh, what were some of the indicators that you were there? I mean, what, um, what are some of the warning signs that other people can look for um, so that they can start asking, you know, asking that question of um, how, how, what do I do next here? 
Well, you know, I think there's a lot, a lot of them. And, um, even, you know, as I talk about these, I've experienced all of them. And on occasion now, I still do. But, you know, as we move along in this journey with the Lord, we have the ability to, to course correct a little bit faster. But some of the common ones that I see uh, in my life as and managing our campuses here and also the people that that uh, interact with Gateway who say, uh, I need I need help. These are some of the, the ones that I see. The first is the inability to stop and rest, mm-hmm. where a person has such forward motion for so long that their gauges are broken mm-hmm. and that they will not allow themselves to stop. And so, you know, for those who are listening today, just I want you to think about it. Are you able to stop and to rest and to just be a child of God? If you can't, you may be in a in, in heading in a, in a direction that's not good. Um, also, for me, and, and I hear this a lot, is constant thoughts of uh, and actions uh, relate that relate to escape. Like I, I gotta, I've got to escape. I've got to get out of my job. I've got to get out of the rat race that I'm in. So it's just these consistent, constant thoughts of I've just, I've got to escape. And, and sometimes these, these lead to some damaging behaviors. And uh, I've seen this a lot and have experienced those thoughts as well. Um, Some of the more subtle ones would be loss of sensitivities. Um, Sometimes basic sensitivities like the ability to laugh and and to to relax and to just have fun and to just be a normal person. Hmm. And so these days, this is a part of the way I work that I'm going to allow myself to be a a normal person, to laugh, to relax and have fun. I mean, there are certain parts of our life that are not normal at all, but it's important that we allow ourselves those those sensitivities. Certainly. So what, uh, if there are any brand new pastors, uh, and maybe this is their first vocation or they've been called into ministry out of industry, uh, what are some of the boundaries that brand new pastors can put in place right at the start of their ministry? Well, you know, I think it's really important, especially for someone who's getting started or someone maybe who's coming, um, um, from another uh, job into pastoring to just understand that it's really unique what we do, realizing that God allows humans to join his supernatural work, that we get to be a part of this as spiritual leaders. And, and, and the supernatural part of it is, is that the human heart is transformed, which is just amazing that we get to be a part of this. And, and sometimes for us, uh, people who are called to ministry are involved in this work and who love others. It's sort of intoxicating. So there's this ability that we have to um, to lose ourselves on occasion. And so for those who are for those young pastors or those maybe coming in, a, a bedrock scripture for me has been Matthew uh, 633. I sort of base 
my life and ministry work around this scripture. And it says, seek first the kingdom of God and his, his righteousness. And all these other things will be added. And so when, when I really understood what this verse means and that really the kingdom of God is, the kingdom of God are things that are precious and important to God, the way God thinks, the way God's, God works. And so if we seek those things that are important to the Lord, if they are important to the Lord, they should be important to us. And obviously righteousness is a free gift from Jesus. And if we take care of the things that are important to God, that he will take care of everything else. And even though we're in this really important job that's where we're co-laboring with the Lord on the supernatural, um, I've learned that really the heart of this scripture means that we prioritize the small, precious things like family mm. and not go faster then our family will let us go. Mm. And, and so that would be number one, bring your family along in ministry with you. Don't go faster than your family can go. Let that be a gauge for a, a person who is just starting this journey. Also, the ability to build good, healthy relationships and maintain them will help us not go too fast and and one of the thing that, things that we've been pretty good at um, here at Gateway is um, God said to take one day off from work. He said to work six and take one day off. In the Old Testament, he gave the animals a day off. He gave, he gave the land a day off and even a year off. And we should take a day off. And what this does, when we, when we, when we honor the Sabbath, it forces us to slow down and to rest and disconnect weekly. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, just, just another thought that I feel like the Lord dropped in me over the years that is a, just a, a part of uh, my life and also advice I give to, to young ministers and people who've been in ministry a while is God will never ask us to, des to destroy or neglect precious things that are precious to him and should be precious to us mm -hmm. to fulfill his kingdom work. That's good. He wants it all to come together and for it all to go across the finish line together. And normally that's our families. Number one. Yeah, that's, that's really good. Um, I'm, I'm over here taking notes. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I, I'm really interested to know, um, about the the very practical application of the guidance that you just gave, um, what are some not so obvious boundaries a pastor can set uh, with the church? Well, um, again, these are things I've experienced, and I pro I wish I didn't experience them, but they actually have given me the ability to talk on this subject because I've just learned so much. Because the Lord talked to me uh, early on in ministry and said, I want you to treat yourself like you're my child. You're important to me. And so, and so what I learned early on in ministry is when we structure something in ministry or at a church or however we're doing it, build a house that we can actually live in. Uh, I have personally constructed 
some ways of doing ministry and, and church ministries that I could not survive in. And I realized after I got into it and I built it and I created structure and, and ways of working that I can't survive this. And so, you know, that's something to think about. Um, and a lot of times it has to do with pastors and spiritual re- leaders consistently are really bad at subconsciously and maybe even consciously sort of making themselves the center of the universe in a ministry or a church. In other words, everybody comes to realize that nothing valuable moves or functioning functions without that primary leader and their hands are on everything. And instead of building a team structure or making it about others, a lot of times we as spiritual leaders uh, want to do it ourselves. Mm. And, and I don't think we do that on purpose, but it happens a lot. And, and it's very subtle the way it happens. But we train our churches or ministries that we are the center of the universe. Mm. And it's very unhealthy. Instead of team building others, being empowered. You know, last time I checked, uh, Ephesians 4, 11 and 12 says that spiritual leaders, the gifts that we're given are given to us to build others. And so let's really begin to make it about others. Also, another subtle but dangerous way of working is uh, to sort of build around our people-pleasing nature. Um, I would say 95% of pastors, spiritual leaders, people who work at church have sort of this people-pleasing nature. We like everybody to be happy with Mm -hmm. us to the point where many times we can make damaging personal decisions or church decisions that hurt our health and the church's health. And um, I read a book early on in ministry, The Disease to Please, and it was sort of life transforming for me because I, I had the disease to please. But God has really helped me to um, to work on that. So really those two things, um, us sort of doing everything ourselves and our people-pleasing nature really can get us into trouble. Absolutely. So then how do you decide what's yours to carry versus what's someone else's to carry? Well, I think it starts um, a little higher than that personally as I think about the church world. I think that, first of all, a church has to sort of decide this type of church it wants to be. And if a church is going to be a healthy, vibrant place that values people and, you know, including their staff, it's just very important to be able to say, we value the health of our staff. And, you know, it's, it seems very basic to even say that, but it's very important. Because I, I say this a lot, that a church can only be as healthy as its staff is. A church can only be as healthy as its leaders, as its people who lead the ministry. It's just, it, it, it doesn't work that a church can be healthy in the congregation if the staff is unhealthy. And so just to be able to think that way, from that point on, 
being able to to have really clear job description descriptions and to really know who is responsible for what. Um, you know, if I were taking a new position now, uh, I'm asking for a clear job description. I'm declaring up front if I can hum- humanly do the job or I'm, I can, and, and maybe I'm not taking that job unless I can see what's expected of me and to have health, a healthy, sensible job description. And so for those, for, for those of us who are in a church and we're serving there, I, we, we must have clear job descriptions. Mm-hmm. And we also need a, a team atmosphere where we're able to deal with the gray areas when we're working together, where we're not sure who, who is accountable for what, where we can actually talk about, okay, we're not sure about this or who's going to take this and who's going to handle this. Mm-hmm. Again, a church needs to decide if it, it values health. And if, if we do, we're going to, we're going to help people by allowing them to see what their responsibilities are. And to also foster a team atmosphere where we're able to hold each other accountable and grow through the places that are gray areas so that we can all thrive and be healthy. Absolutely. So what about the pastor, though, who is listening today and is the sole staff member, maybe even not paid staff? How does that pastor set boundaries when... There aren't other people on the, you know, quote unquote team. Well, and, and there are a lot of there are a lot of folks in that situation, a lot of spiritual leaders who are the sole or maybe just a small part time, a few part time people that are a part. Um, you know, spiritual health starts from within. It, it starts in me and um, it can spread that way. So. For that, for that pastor to be able to make sure that, that you're able to be healthy and to thrive and to live out the kingdom of God in a healthy way where you are right now, and to be able to have a conversation with those in leadership there, whether it be a, a board or a deacon board or elders, to say, look, I want to do this for a long time. My God brought me here and I want to stay here and I need your help. I need your help to structure my job and my life here so that I can do this for a long time. And and what that's going to mean is it's going to mean that that pastor, even though they're the primary spiritual leader in that spot, understanding that they can't do everything, that it's just impossible. And that it's really not even biblical. It's not. And where there's maybe a change from one person being that lead person into the building up of other leaders and the sharing of responsibilities. Um, it's interesting. I had a conversation with my mom, who's in a small church in Louisiana, and and their pastor is just an amazing man. It's a church of probably three or 400. And I've had this conversation with her to go, mom, you've got to make sure that you and your leaders help structure around your pastor. You guys don't expect him to do everything. Mm. 
begin to share some of these responsibilities because he's not going to be able to stay with you. He's not going to be able to sustain this pace if you all don't step in and help him and allow him to, to share these experiences and to have days off and this sort of thing. So, um, but a lot of times, to be honest with you, we're the problem. A lot of times we just won't let go. We feel like it's our responsibility to sort of handle and hold everything. And for a pastor who's maybe by themselves at a smaller church, I would just encourage you. Um, we want you to do this for a long time. You're important to the kingdom of God. You're so important. And your family and your marriage, all those things are important to the Lord. Make sure you're sharing ministry and you're and you're giving it away. Uh, I love Exodus 18 uh, when Jethro comes and visits Moses, who has seen all these amazing things. And, and, and Jethro watches Moses do ministry one day and he says, Moses, what you're doing is not good. You're going to burn yourself out and you're going to burn these people out. Neither one of you are going to be happy. I want you to choose faithful people who you can put over a thousand, a hundred, fifty, and ten. And so really, Kristen, what I'm saying is that we've got to share ministry. God, God made us a people mm-hmm. so that we could build his kingdom as a people. And no one should be doing this alone and carrying it all by themselves. Mm, well said. Well, the last question I have for you is, uh, I have met uh, your wife. You have a fantastic family. And I'm just really curious about the role your family has uh, played in helping uh, you walk through your own experience in the church, um, but also uh, think about the role that family can play for a pastor in helping to avoid burnout. What what can the family do? Well, that's a good question. I um, I think that God sort of organically builds this all to work when we pay attention to relationships. I mean, we really don't even have to be that smart if we will, if we'll just take care of our relationships. And so what I've learned over the years is that for me to, if if I'm properly connecting with Rochelle, if we're in a good place together, that's going to take a certain level of energy, time and sensitivities. It just, it, it just does. And with our three boys, and now we have a daughter-in-law as well, for me to properly engage with my sons and my daughter-in-law and to, to be connected to their lives takes a certain amount of energy to do that. And sadly, in ministry, there have been some seasons, especially early on, where I sort of allowed the pursuit of ministry and building others and left the connecting and the engaging, cultivating and nurturing the family part. um, I sort of neglected that part. Um, Fortunately, God taught me some things along the way. What I've learned is that when we properly nurture our families, it's, it's almost like God, Bills, bills in a grace for us that 
allows us not to go at a pace that will destroy ourselves because we just can't do it. If I'm if 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 I'm effectively connecting with Rochelle, it gauges me at work to a point where I just have to slow down a little bit. If I'm properly connecting with my sons and their lives and giving them energy, I lose certain energies for things that may be the extra things at work on occasion. And so it's almost like a gear that God allows us to get into that is the, probably the, the pace that he wants us to run at. And so the family, if we nurture the family properly, I believe it, it helps us build in a sort of a, an organic pace that is the pace that he wants us to live at. And, you know, occasionally it's going to mean that I can't get to that right now. But, but I know it's going to force me to go, hey, I can't do this myself. I need, I need to share the load of ministry with others. And um, I've just learned it's so important to God that our families are not neglected. It's just so important to the Lord. And if we take care of our families, and not only our families, but ourselves, um, God wants me to treat my, myself. He wants me to treat me in a way that uh, is valuable and is thoughtful. And he wants me to have rest as well. So the family and stewarding ourselves allows us the ability um, to go in ministry at a healthy pace. That is, uh, I think that's, Wisdom that will be heard by all of the people listening today, whether they are pastors or not. Uh, so I just want to thank you for the time that you've spent um, sharing your experiences with us and um, and especially the scriptures you referenced, um, because that's that's what this is all about. So we hope that um, for those of you listening today, this is a conversation that can increase the longevity of uh, your vocation. And we'd love to hear from you what you do in your own church and in your own community uh, to avoid burnout. And we encourage you to go to our Equipping the Church community on Faith Life and tell us your story. And um, Pastor Byron, I just want to thank you so much for um, for getting on uh, on this podcast to talk with us today. You are such a gift to all of us. So thank you. Absolutely, Kristen. Thanks for having me. Preaching is not just a calling. It's art and science. You spend hours studying, then you make your presentation notes, and then you deliver the message. I'm sure if we scanned the brain activity of a pastor during each of these phases, we'd see different areas light up. What's amazing to me is that this is just a portion of your work as a pastor. When you step down from the pulpit on Sunday, you see real people with real needs right in front of you. Needs that you and your team will go out of your way to meet. I'll never forget when my family member was in the hospital and a pastor from my church showed up just to sit there with us. He didn't even know my family member. He just knew me. That's ministry. I can see how a pastor could spend 100% of their time on preaching and 100% of their time on one-on-one -on -one discipleship. But the truth is, no one has 200% of their time to give. 
But what if you could do two things at once and at the same time improve the quality of your work? That's where Sermon Editor comes in. Sermon Editor is a feature of Logos Bible Software. With it, you can do two things at once. Research and write your sermon and watch as sermon slides automatically appear alongside your notes. When you're done with your sermon, click one button to export your slides to Faith Life Proclaim or PowerPoint. Your slides will be waiting there for your AV team to project on Sunday morning. Many Logos pastors don't realize they have Sermon Editor. Here's how you can find it. Open Logos on your desktop. Find the navigation on the top and select Tools. From the options, select Sermon Editor. Here, you can add all sorts of info about your sermon, like the date it will be preached, who the audience is, and whether it's part of a sermon series. Then put your cursor in the text box that has heading one and start typing. After you type your first main point, hit enter and watch as a slide automatically shows up next to your text. It's pretty cool. And don't worry about copying and pasting in scriptures. Simply type Jeremiah 29:11, one of my faves, and the entire scripture will appear on a slide. If you want to make something into a slide, you can highlight it, and a menu will hover over your highlight. Select what looks like a conversation bubble, and a slide will automatically generate. When you finish and want to send your slides to your team, go to the upper right corner of the sermon editor and select Export. For the best experience, I recommend you select Exporting to Faith Life Proclaim. You can also send it to Faith Life Sermons for archiving, or you can print it. Because you don't have 200% of your time to give, use little life hacks like Sermon Editor. Do two things at once well. Tell us about your experience trying out Sermon Editor. Go to our Equipping the Church community at faithlife.com slash ETC podcast. Today's podcast was brought to you by Faith Life and co-produced by Amber Smith and me, Kristen Tete. Our audio technician is Jack Underwood. To subscribe and learn more about how to equip your church, go to faithlife.com slash podcasts slash ETC. If this is useful to you, take a moment to rate and review the Equipping the Church podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen. While you're there, give us your ideas for future episodes. And as always, we love hearing your stories. So share them with us at faithlife.com slash ETC podcast. Thanks for spending your time with us today. Blessings to you in your ministry.